Hey, what's up? This is Elijah Beers, the Associate Youth Pastor of Impact Youth Ministries. Welcome to the Impact Podcast. We pray that this message will help you to live God's Word, love like Jesus, and be led by the Holy Spirit every single day. Let's go ahead and get into this week's sermon. We're going to go to 2 Samuel, and we're going to go to chapter 12, and we're going to go verse 9 through 14. And I'm reading out of the New King James Version. And the Word of God says, Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in His sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord. Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. For you did, this, you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before, before all of Israel, before the son. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. However, because this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme the child also who is born to you shall surely die. Then Nathan departed his house. For just a few minutes uh, here tonight, I'm going to talk about the subject of look away. Look away. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to stand here before these young people tonight, Lord God, to give honor to your word, to give honor to your son, Jesus Christ, Lord. Lord, as that song said, you deserve all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. And I can just hope and pray that a little bit of what we do here tonight points toward your kingdom, toward your son, toward your saving grace, Father God. Lord, as we discuss this topic tonight, Lord, I pray that your word would pierce the heart of man today that it would separate out all the bad in our lives and all the bad in our hearts, Father God, and that as we mull upon this word through the next coming days, Lord, that it would build us up and it would grow fruit forth in our lives, Father God. Lord, that every person here would be slightly changed for your kingdom for this word, Father God, not for our own testimony, not for our own goodness, Lord God, but to build your kingdom in these last days, Lord God, to take the truth of the gospel to a lost and dying community around us. Father God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to rest upon this place, that no one would leave here exactly the same as they came in tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys may be seated. So tonight, we're going to talk about um, the effects of sin, the effects that sin have on our lives, and how that sin makes you lose time, lose respect, and lose out on the things that God has for you in your life. Before I get into that, let me talk about two things about sin real quick. I want to get a couple things squared away before I get into the heart of this message. Because I don't want anybody on the wrong page. I want everybody to understand these two things. First of all, this is not going to be a sermon where I stand up here and spew out, this is sin or this is not sin. That's not what this message is about. This message is about what sin does to us. Right? So I always tell people, you say, well, well, I may be wondering. I have this situation in my life, and I need to know whether it's sin or whether it's not sin, whether I should continue down this path or whether I shouldn't continue down this path. And as a minister of the gospel, the best advice I can give you is if you're questioning it, just stay away. 
don't want to live so close to the line that the world loves you but doesn't recognize the Jesus with inside of you. Right? So if you have even a thought that should I be doing this or shouldn't I be, cast that same thing aside because I can promise you if you're having that thought, it's at least hindering you in a little bit. It may not be out and out sin, but it's not something that's edifying your ministry for Christ. So the first thing about it is if you feel that it's not of God, cast it aside. Don't even ask. People get real surprised when they come to me and say, hey, is this sin? And I very rarely ever give them an answer. I always say, is it disobedient? Because that check in your spirit is probably the Holy Spirit telling you to stop this. And we as humans often try to find any way around that warning that we possibly can. So my question always back to anybody asking me, is something sin or is it not sin? I ask them, are you being disobedient? Because disobedience to the Holy Spirit is absolutely a sin. So that's the first thing we want to understand about sin. The second thing is that God does not want to change our lives and change what we do to benefit Him. He does it to benefit us. Whether you sin or you don't sin, God is God and God is on a throne and His way is going to happen whether we're a part of it or not. He wants us to be a part of it. So if the Lord is calling something out in your life and saying, hey, you need to prune this off of your life, you need to cast it aside, He's doing it for your own benefit. Because throughout time, throughout all of creation, God has constantly watched the effects of sin on man and how they lose that time and how they lose out on things that He wants for them and how they lose respect for their peers because they wouldn't turn away from the thing that was hindering them in their walk. Right? So God wants you to put sin aside. He wants you to be sanctified. He wants you to be holy for your benefit so that you can build the kingdom. Because His kingdom's going to be built anyway. Why not be a part of it? Right? So two things about sin. If you think it's sin or even have a question, just steer away. And that God is doing this for your benefit. He's calling you out of that sin for your benefit so that you can build yourself up. I think often about um, the, what sin does to us. And, and I think about times in my life that I was sinful. And sin often complicates and confuses our life. Everybody here was a little kid at one time, right? Everybody, right? Did anybody lie when they were a little kid? Right? I got really good at it, okay? But every time I told a lie, and that lie was about to be found out, I had to tell another lie to cover that lie, and then another lie to cover that lie. And then by the time the end, of the, the end had come around, I had woven this web of lies that I couldn't even keep straight myself. Because sin is confusing. I can't remember where I heard it, but there was a quote I once heard that said, you never have to memorize the truth. Right? Because the truth is the truth. It's not confusing. It's what happened. It is what is the truth. Sin is confusing, and it confuses your life, and it sets you off course, and it gets you in a place where God has a hard time using you because you're so wrapped up in getting out of what you've gotten into. Okay? So when we read our scripture here, we find a couple things about David. We, we hear Nathan say that David had sent Uriah to be killed by the Ammonites in battle. We see that David then took his wife to be his own. So let's talk a little bit about David's sin and how it caused him to lose out, how it caused him to lose time, and how it caused him to lose respect 
and what he could have done to prevent those three things. When we look back at 2 Samuel, and if you guys could put 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 2 up on the screen. It says, Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. I remember the first time I read that scripture, and I thought about that, and I thought, you look at David, and you know how mighty David is. That scripture should have been the end of it. That should have been it. But we look at it. If David would have just looked away from the thing that was presented to his eyes and went back inside of his palace, look at the headache he would have saved. But that's not what we find. David, the man after God's own heart, the giant slayer, the anointed one, began, would not turn his eyes. And at this time, he began to invest time into his sin. So I ask you, what are you investing time in tonight? Are you investing time in the things that would build you up as a person? Are you investing time in the things that would build up your ministry and allow you to witness and be an effective tool for Christ? Or are you investing time in your sin tonight? It's like the little kid that tells that lie and has to tell another lie. Every lie he tells, he's investing more time into that sin. Whereas if he would have just told the truth in the beginning, he would have saved all that time for himself. But he, David began to invest time into that sin. How many know that the things you invest time in are the things that you're going to see a return on? I don't know what you know about the stock market, but if I invest in Google today, and Google goes up $100 a share... I just made $100 per share because I invested in a good investment. But if I invest in a startup and that startup fails tomorrow, I lose all my money. So what are you investing in? Because that's what you're going to see a return on. If you invest in sin, you're going to see a return in sin. Right? But if you invest in the Lord and you invest in your ministry, you're going to see a return on that thing. That's what you'll see grow. But as David invested into this sin, he started to see return in sin. So when David, in verse 3 through 17 in Samuel there, David starts to inquire about this woman that he sees. So again, rather than standing on the rooftop and saying, Ooh, I shouldn't have seen that. No matter who she is, she's not my wife. I'm going to just look away. And I'm going to move on about my night. I'm going to move on about my day. And I'm going to pretend that never happened. I'm going to tell the Lord to remove that image from my mind. That should have been the end of it. But instead of that, David begins to inquire. He invests that time into the sin. He invests into it. He wants to see a little bit more. Well, who is she? Can I have her for another wife? So as he persists, he learns that she's the wife not only a wife of someone, but a wife of one of his most loyal soldiers. But he persists. You would think when he accidentally seen this thing, and he saw that, ooh, that's a woman that I shouldn't be looking at, I'm going to turn away. No, it's still holding on to me, so let, let's just see if she's available. And then he finds out that she's not available, that she's in fact the wife of one of his soldiers. He still had another chance to look away. He had another opportunity to separate from that thing that was trying to destroy him, but he didn't. He, began to or he continued to invest time into that sin. 
So when they told him, hey, that's the wife of Uriah, he says, that's okay, bring her to me. Now this is where you surround yourself with people who care about you, because people who care about you be like, hey, stop doing what you're doing. Right? If you surround yourself with yes men, like King David had, they will walk with you right down that dark path. Surround yourself with friends that will call you out when you're about to dive headfirst into sin. Don't surround yourself with people that make you feel good because they tell you you're always doing the right thing. You see, the best friendships, the Bible tells us iron sharpens iron. The best friendships are those that don't care about a little friction right now because they know that's going to make you a better person. Surround yourself with people that won't just be yes men in your life. Surround yourself with people that will tell you no or they'll at least say, hey, if you're going to continue on this, I'm not going to be a part of it. Right? Surround yourself with people that will tell you no. That's extra. That wasn't even in my notes. But David persists and he has her brought to him. David does what he wants with this woman. And he has relationships. He, he, he lies with this woman. And at that point, we all know that David thought, man, I'm, I'm out. I'm Scott clean here. Right? But how many know your sin always has a way of finding you out? Your sin will tell on you every time. The second you think you've done something, I don't care if you go to your grave with nobody ever finding it out. God saw every idle moment in your life. So the things that you think are most hidden, God has at least saw them. But we're going to go a step further here. David at this point thinks, I'm out of this. I'm in the clear. I had my fun with this woman. I'm going to send her back because she's not my wife. She's someone else's. And then what happens? Wouldn't you believe it? She's pregnant. Now David's got this big uh uh-oh moment. He's got time. Now, there's two paths again. Again, David could do the honorable thing and he could say, you know what, I messed up. He could go to his soldier. He could probably give this man a palace and say, I'm sorry. I'll help you raise the child. I'll pay for it. I did a bad thing. I did a wrong thing. And now I'm going to look away and I'm going to no longer invest time into that sin. But what did David do? Honorable King David, does he admit to his mistake? Does he repent? Does he apologize? Does he try to make things right? See, I've been faced with some things in my life, and I've had things done to me where people could have been just let it go. And I've had opportunities for myself where I've done things wrong, and I could have just let it go and hoped that it never, ever came up again. But you see, sometimes there's a freeness when it comes with you admitting that you've done something wrong. David could have freed himself from this entire situation had he just looked away at that point and said, you know what, I've done wrong, I've done a horrible thing, but I'm going to move on honorably, I'm going to admit what I've done, and I'm going to free myself and this man from this. But he still persisted to invest into his sin. So as you go on to read, you find out that at this point, David brings Uriah in from the battlefield. He says, send Uriah to me. They're in the heat of a war. He says, send me Uriah. And he tells Uriah, he said, hey, I want you to go to your house, wash your feet. I want you, I'm going to send a, an elegant meal. I'm going to send all the best dinings for you. And be with your wife. You deserve it. Anybody see what David's trying to do here? David's wanting him to lay with his wife so that when she starts to show pregnant, 
Nobody thinks anything of it. You see, it would have been real easy for David to be like, well, yeah, she's pregnant by her husband. Everybody would have been like, wait a minute, he's been in war for the last year. What are you talking about? But see, David thought he could outsmart the sin that already invaded his life. You won't outsmart your sin. Right? It's going to catch you. It's going to catch up. But here's the worst part about this entire story is that Uriah was an honorable and loyal man and refused to go lay with his wife. Not only did he refuse to go lay with his wife, he said, you know what, I'm going to lay at my master's doorstep until he allows me to go back to battle and join my brothers on the battlefield. It'd be real easy to look at this story completely different if Uriah was kind of a jerk, right? It'd be real easy to be like, well, Uriah was a scumbag too. But Uriah was an honorable man that upheld his commitment to the kingdom. And no matter how much David persisted for him to lay with his wife, he said, no, I'm going to stay here until you send me back to the battlefield. He didn't think it was right that he could be there in such luxurious dining and have the opportunity to be with his wife while all his brothers were out on the battlefield not getting the same opportunity. Uriah cared about those that he fought with. He cared about those relationships that he had built. So then what did David do? David did the unthinkable. He called his soldiers. And he said, I want you to take Uriah. I want you to take him to the hottest battlefield. The place where the fighting is the worst. I want you to put him on the front line. Now that could have been enough. Because to understand wartime and antiquity... You know that a lot of people on the front line didn't survive. But David went a step further because his sin had brought him so deep into such a dark area in his life that not only did he tell him to take Uriah to the front line to fight, he said, then retreat and leave him there. Retreat and leave him there. You know that all, the, all his brothers on the battlefield had to be thinking, what happened while Uriah was on that break, that he gets brought out here and left for dead at the front line without us even there to fight with him. I'm sure they probably all thought Uriah had done the most horrible thing, and this was his punishment. But all he was was a casualty to the sin that David refused to look away from. You see, you think, well, this is only hurting me. I grew up around a lot of drug addicts, and that's always the, it's only hurting me, but you don't see the casualties of your sin in your life. It's not just hurting you. You have a circle of influence that surrounds you in your life. We all have a group of people that we're intimately connected with. Whether it be your family, whether it be your friends. And your sin could be affecting them in their lives just as much as it's affecting you. But when we invest into that sin and we get pulled down, we get to a point to where we don't care. We don't even think about that. It doesn't matter as long as I fulfill this desire and I hide what I've done. So David sent his loyal companion, the man who slept at his doorstep. And I'm beating this home so hard because I want you to understand where sin will bring you. This man slept at his doorstep, refused all the fine things that David offered him, and David sent him to die with no help, to die alone on an enemy's battlefield, likely to not receive a burial that his wife could appreciate likely to not be honored as a war hero. He sent him to die in obscurity because he was trying to cover his own sin. Sin will make you do things that you never thought were possible in your life. Listen, I'm going to be real, real with you guys. 
I know people that have done things on the street for drugs that if you would have asked them two years before, they would have said, no way I would ever do that. But they didn't look away. And they allowed themselves to be pulled into a world that will cause you to do things that you could never imagine yourself doing. Imagine if David had just looked away that first time. Imagine if David would have said, hey, I'm not going to waste my time on this adultery. That's not my wife. What productive things could have he done? What would have happened with Uriah's life? What would have he become? What would have the child that, that was killed because of this union? What would have that child become if David would have looked away even after he committed the act? But he continued to invest in his sin and he continued to persist in the darkness that had brought him down. He caused the death of another man. What he thought would be a simple one night thing turned into all of this and it started with a simple look. It started with a simple look. Imagine that person who becomes a, a diehard alcoholic. And they've got five or six DUIs and, and maybe they've hit a family and killed a kid. Imagine if they looked away from that first drink. Imagine if the drug addict looks away from that first offer of drugs. Right? Just imagine if they just look away. This is a challenge tonight to tell you guys that just because something's presented to you doesn't mean you have to do it. You guys are in very influential times in your life and you're going to have option upon option week after week, day after day. And just because something is presented to you, you don't have to do it. I'm here to tell you it may look really good for that moment, but it will pull you into a world that you never intended to be in. Just look away. Look away so you don't lose all this time. Look away so that the Lord has time to use you for His purpose. So that you have a time to prosper in your life. And you're not so wrapped up in covering what you've done that you lose those hours and days and months and years of your life. Just look away. The next thing that that sin caused David to do was lose his reputation. David had committed these horrible acts. He had done all this. But at the time of Uriah's death, he thought for sure, I'm out of this now. I can do the honorable thing and say, you know what? I'm going to bring Uriah's wife into my fold. And I'm going to make sure she's taken care of because he died on the battlefield. See, that's the thing that David was doing there. He was trying to make himself look honorable in this whole thing. So I'm going to bring her into my life. I'm going to bring her into my household. And I'm going to raise this child as my own, even though we all know it was his child. Because I'm going to do the honorable thing here. Even though he was doing it in the most dishonorable way. Because he was the cause of the entire thing. So the Bible says that the prophet Nathan confronts him. And when Nathan confronts him, he tells a story of a rich man and a poor man. And he says, this rich man had much. And this poor man had very little. And to, to summarize the story, the rich man, rather than using his own stuff, took all the poor man's stuff and caused the poor man to have nothing. And as Nathan told this story, David became increasingly angry. And he said, well, that man should die. And Nathan looked at him and said, that man is you. If you think for a second that your sin is hidden away from God, you're mistaken. It's going to catch up. And the more arrogant you are and the more prideful you are in thinking that you got away with something, the faster it's going to catch you. 
It's going to come so fast and it's going to crumble down on you in such a heap that you're not going to know what happened. So Nathan tells David that that man is you. And he tells him, he said, he said that what you've done is not done in secret. In verse 12, God tells David through Nathan that his punishment would be for everyone to see. You want to talk about losing reputation? I'm not going to ask nobody, nobody to call nothing out, but think of the worst thing you've done in your life. And imagine if right now I could start calling those things out. How would you feel? Right? And that's what Nathan's telling David right here. Look, the worst thing you've done is known. And not only are you going to be punished, you're going to be punished and people are going to know why you're punished and it's going to be done for everyone to see. So everything David had built up, the giant slayer, the man after God's own heart, this man that was intimately involved in worship to God is all going to come crumbling. That reputation is going to disappear. Think of the reputation you would like to carry, the legacy you would like to leave in this life. Are the things you're trying to do in secret, the things you refuse to look away from, are those things bringing down that reputation that you have tonight? Think about that. David thought he had pulled all of this off and would never come back to haunt him. He thought he was a mastermind. He thought he had done something where he was going to just completely get by with this without any level of repentance, without any level of, of telling people he'd done wrong, he thought he was going to get by. It doesn't take a very long time on Google to find countless, and I mean countless, preachers, gospel singers, leaders in the church who've done horrible, deplorable things and thought they were going to just skate by. If you think you're immune, you're not. These people all had very public falls. Some of them would have had the greatest legacy in ministry that you could ever imagine, and now their, their name is a joke in the subtitles of history. All because they refused to look away from something that the enemy placed in front of them. You see, David didn't lose respect while he was in the middle of the act of adultery. David didn't even lose his respect while he was killing Uriah on the battlefield. David lost all his respect the second he refused to look away on that rooftop. The world just didn't know it yet. His respect began to dwindle that moment. So what are you allowing your legacy to be? You may say, I'm not David, I'm not a big name preacher. I have no reputation, no, no, no standing that would topple me down and would bring me down. But think for a second about the people around you. Think about your family, your friends. A lot of you are going to grow up to be parents. You might be David to them. You might be the biggest name in ministry that they ever look at. And if your legacy crumbles, what's it going to do to them? If you commit such a heinous act that it would embarrass them, what's it going to do to their lives? The last point here, you guys can head up to the music here. David loses out. David loses out on a lot of things in his life. The Bible says that an adversary will rise up from his own home. 
How terrible to lose a peaceful household because of something you did. I can tell you from a person who grew up in, in the most broken of broken homes. And it was broken from the time I can remember. It was broken before I was even born. I can tell you how terrible that situation is and how you wouldn't want to put your future kids through that situation. A peaceful home is, is, is a great thing. It's a blessing of the Lord to have. And David lost that. And if you further read on, you see how Absalom tries to take over and tries to kill his father. All because David wouldn't look away. The child that came from that union, dead. All because David wouldn't look away. So what I have to ask you tonight is the thing that you are looking at, the thing that you're investing that time in, is it worth all of that? How much has sin already taken from you in life? I can tell you right now, I alluded to it early on when I was speaking, that I spent a certain amount of time in my life running from my calling of God. Now, if you remember, what did I say at the beginning? If you're being disobedient, you're being what? Sinful. I could give you guys a room full of guesses of how long I was disobedient to my calling in life. But I'll sum it up real quick for you. Ten years I ran from doing what I was supposed to be doing. Ten years. That's more than half of most of your all's lives that's set in this room tonight. Ten years I was disobedient. Ten years I refused to look away from my own fear and that, that sinful nature that was keeping me from doing the things of God. What could have I accomplished in those ten years? I was one of the lucky ones. But I can tell you, while in that ten years I wasn't living in the world, I wasn't being out being a sinful, adulterous uh, uh, man and being an alcoholic or a drug addict, I wasn't doing any of that. But every day that I didn't live in my calling, I felt myself slip just a little bit more. For 10 years, I allowed that to happen in my life. 10 years is a long time to be disobedient to God. So how much time is, have you lost to sin tonight? The first 15 years of my life and then 10 years of being disobedient, I'm only 37 years old. That's 25 years that I could have been more productive for the kingdom of God. So how much time have you lost to sin? Imagine if you just looked away from the thing that's eating up your time. And again, I'm not going to sit here and call out a ton of things. You know what they are. You know what those things that are holding you back from being the best version of you are. You know what those things that are keeping you from seeking after God. If you've never sought after God in your life, you know what those things are. Imagine if you would have just looked away. Now imagine if you will for just a second. If you stopped right now investing time and investing your energy and your effort into those things that are pulling you down. Imagine how your life would change. I can tell you when I was 27 years old and I finally said, okay, Lord, you want me to preach? You want me to teach? And I laid it all out on the line for God. It was almost instantaneous. Within two years, I was an ordained minister, and within three, I was on staff here. 
God will make that time up if you just let him. He'll fast track the program to get you where you need to be. But you have to look away from the things that are trying to drag you down. You have to look away from that sin that the enemy's constantly going to put in front of you. I'd love to be able to stand here and tell you a hokey pokey message that one day it gets easy and one day that sin never presents itself again. But I'm going to tell you a secret that's well hidden in the, in the church world in America today. The things you struggle with when you're 15, you're going to struggle with them with you when you're 50. Now that struggle will become easier because you'll become a stronger Christian. But the enemy knows your weaknesses and it takes one second of not being willing to look away from that thing that the enemy knows will trip you up and you'll be right back at the bottom of that pit. It takes one second. Too often in the American church we say, the more you push forward, the less you think about that. And then one day it's just gone. It's not true. So when you stand here and you say, why am I still struggling with this? Why is this thing still the thing? I tell you right now the things I struggled with the day that I got saved are the things that the enemy still tries to attack me with 22 years later. But you become stronger. And it becomes easier to look away from those things. So while it sounds like I'm giving you a message of no hope, I'm telling you that if you'll just make that step to look away, God will do the rest. He will provide you strength. He will let you learn and teach yourself to be stronger in those situations. And every time you turn it down, you become a little stronger. And then the next time you turn it down, you become a little stronger again to where one day it might still be there, but it's way easier for you to say, no, devil, you're not going to trick me with that again like you did last time. I'm not going to be pulled down. I'm not going to invest any more time into that sin because I'm stronger now because I learned to look away from those things that would tear me down. So as we stand here tonight, know that the Lord gives you the power to look away, but you have to take that step. You have to turn your head. You have to say, you know what, I'm walking back in the palace because I don't need to be out here. When you go to a certain place with your friends and all of a sudden they start doing things and immediately your spirit checks, you have to be saying, you know what, I don't care if i got to walk home, I'm not going to be in this situation any longer. I don't care if I got to call mom, I got to call dad, I got to call my aunt that never tells my parents about anything. Whatever you got to do to get out of that situation, look away. Turn away from the thing that the enemy is trying to pull you down and destroy you with. Because I can guarantee you if we could rewind time right now and we could go back to that night and we could tell David everything that was going to happen and show him a glimpse of his life for the next several months or years after that moment, he would have looked away and walked back in. But he thought it was going to be just a simple little thing. Isn't that how the devil lies to us? He says it's just going to be this one time. It's just going to be this little thing, just do it once, and then, and then nobody will ever know. Nothing will ever happen. And then all of a sudden it steamrolls into something that you've completely lost control of, and you have no idea how you got there. You got there because you refused to look away. I would tell you tonight, please look away. There's going to be so many things put in front of your young eyes, so many things put in front of your eyes as you become an adult, as you become a parent, as you become a husband, a wife, as you do all these things, there's going to be so many points that the enemy tries to trip you up. Just look away. Thank you for listening to the Impact Podcast. We hope that it blessed you as much as it blessed us. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at ImpactYM. We love you. We hope you have a great rest of your day.